0: Welcome to the Learn Perform Mixtape. I'm your host for this podcast, Laura Pasquini. I created this podcast to prepare me and maybe you for the Certified Professional Learning and Performance Exam, the CPLP. These series of podcasts will be my open study notes. Welcome to the learning. So today's topic, I'm going to look at performance improvement. This is the first area of expertise, AOE 1, and the first one in that subsection is performance improvement process. So I've been reading the HBR guide to performance management, and it talks about more around individual and managing those on your team. So how to communicate, how to diagnose, how to motivate employees, set goals and things like that. So most people think about performance management as those goal settings, um, whether it's a new employee needs direction or direct report is going to get new responsibilities, learn new skill or take on a task, or you're looking to improve upon a performer or have a strong performer, maybe move up. So when we look at area of expertise, the sub one, one, um, I may not go in order, but for this time being, I am, we're going to move beyond, uh, what goes on individually and maybe think about it holistically. So the performance improvement process, or they call it the human performance improvement, HPI is improvements that includes gathering data analysis, change management, implementation, implementation, and measurements. So effectively, most people that are going in to assess the performance issues and understand how to improve it, they're going to look at results. They want to underco- uncover problems. They want to think about whether it's around a system or a view of the organization that is impacting the performance of their employees. So you want to think about uh, performance improvement as a mindset on how to improve an organization's current culture and understand understand where they want to go. So it could be a business goal. It could be a way they do things. It could be improving efficiencies, processes, things like that. And you want to tie it to uh, an overall way of coming up with what's going on to come up with a solution to improve that process. So performance improvement involves a great deal of kind of things I did as a researcher. It's listening, it's thinking about things critically, it's involving um, a little bit of innovation or what you might do to change some of things and going in with an open mind and not having any bias. So you want to make sure there's different strategies to approach um, just performance improvement in general. So the key things are thinking about um, identifying the needs of the work the environment, and the capabilities of those professionals you might be looking at and analyzing. So overall, this section of the CPLP exam is a big chunk of really important information. It's why it's weighted 13 to 14% of the knowledge exam. The objectives in this chapter, and I'm going to go into these subsections soon, but I'll let you know these are the main objectives of what to study in the area of expertise one, performance improvement. The learning objectives are explain the importance of understanding multiple performance improvement models. So we're going to talk about that in different sections of this podcast. We're going to describe the association for talent development, specifically that HPI model, human performance improvement model. Um, also, you'll need to know the steps of performance improvements, the process and how they relate to one another. And you have to know that to be able to apply that as well. Uh, you want to describe Rumbler and Brock's nine box model. So I'll talk about that on a different podcast. And recall one alternative performance model that you might want to go to. And because there's many, and this exam and this study guide doesn't give it all. So in general, the purpose and goals of performance improvement is you want to address a uh, need. So typically, when they th- say performance of an employee, someone on your team, on your staff, they think about training. So is that always the case? Maybe. Sometimes it's not. Um, so the performance improvement does go ahead by looking at the problem and applying this to the approach that training is the right? Answer only when the problem is a lack of knowledge or skills. We don't think that training will solve everything. Maybe it's a way that someone's being led or supervised. Maybe it's the system or expectations of their role. Maybe there's things that have changed within the employee's role in that job portfolio and that's not been addressed. So performance improvement goes forward an understanding that it's probably a lack of knowledge or skills that is needed. And so when you're thinking about that, the the need does not solve problems associated with If your staff doesn't have the right or inadequate information or there's a lack of motivation, um, maybe another issue might come up is you have lack of resources, time, that includes time, people, money, or maybe people don't find incentives there. Perhaps the performance often goes down if you're hired for the wrong role, poor job fit, or maybe they're using things that are outdated. So it could be technologies or ways of how we work. So if they're feeling behind and frustrated, that will not help with performance improvement. Um, Other issues come up in this area that uh, training does not solve, which are confusing feedback, unclear standards, poor environment. So that's a culture. And there's issues with how they're supervised or their process of the work. So performance um, improvement has a couple things. And there's a book that I've been reading um, outside of this learning uh, system, the CPLP learning system for studying for the exam. It's the third edition handbook of human performance technology. I'll put it in the show notes. This is a book I bought. It's a pretty thick, when I say thick, it's like, I'm on page 911, but there's over, there's about thir- 1,363 pages, and I'm in the middle of the book looking at how to l- make the transition from learning to performance function, because it relates a lot to what um, we're going to look at in this section. The concept of human performance improvement, as the HPI, as I mentioned, looks at human performance technology, HPT, and that's what this book is all about, so... It's not new. A lot of this has been going on for quite some time. So late 60s and 70s, uh, they've looked at the ways that people are working. And a few of the key folks that often get referred to and there's models built around are Thomas Gilbert, Joe Harless, Robert Mager, and Gary Rumbler. So a couple of these will come up as I study in the next uh, few episodes of the podcast. So the purpose of performance improvement is to boost the organizational overall results. So by strengthening the individuals, that means the the team or the organization or the group as a whole will improve as well. So the goal is to identify um, and understand the goals of the organization. So whatever client or person you're working for that's seeking out performance improvement, they want you to define the gaps between where the desired results of performance are and then the actual performance goes. The, you want to identify the performance gap, select solutions to address that gap in causes and improve those issues, Implement the solution. So often a learning or training solution, and then evaluate if that solution actually gave you the results you want. So it's kind of like, I think of it, um, for those of you who may have done things in education, K-12 or higher ed, I consider this the backward design approach because it's the same idea as What's the identified desired results? How do you determine acceptable evidence of these results? And what sort of planning experience is learning or instruction is going to happen to get your learner there? So it's not too different from asking those questions. And I can give an example of this. I created um, kind of a backwards design example in one of my blog posts. So I'll put a little bit longer explanation and the TED-Ed I created to give you an example of college success and organizing your time. So thinking about that, this area of performance improvement, when you're conducting this, you don't just jump to the conclusion and say, oh, I think it's this, it's that manager I met, it's this one tool they should be using. You really want to know what's the root cause of this gap. So the systematic approach to this would look at causes and factors. So there might be um, different things contributing to the problem and we're seeing um, productivity go down or sales decrease. So essentially uh, the performance issue that might be the knowledge or skills w- is hope- hopefully addressed in the training as the most way- effective way to address it. It was interesting. I was looking through the um, the phases here. There's four phases to um, human performance technology. So they look at, just flipping through here, Um, looking at step one, agreeing on a desired end state. So in that, you're going to go and say at the end, what do you want your folks to be doing at work and how do you want them to be functioning? Um, You're going to look mainly at performance and you want them to see either behavior and knowledge or have results that come out of services or products. So whether it's a server in a restaurant to someone that is looking looking at data analysis and completing these tasks, you want to identify what's that you want to focus on because you're going to look at the performance first. You want to align the process with the performance mission, that's step two or phase two for HPT. And in looking at, um, Rumler has a book that says Serious Performance Consulting, according to Rumler, talks about the need for aligning between the organization's goals, the workflow process, and the job requirements. So it must mean that management aligns the different things that will get people to that end performance goal. The partnership phase is one that they talk about in the step two is figuring out uh, strategic uses. So some examples of four phases of performance improvement process for clients, um, they may be forming in, they might start this by proactively identifying strat- strategic opportunities and responding to the request to reframe for solutions to start And in that partnership phase, you also discuss like situations with the client, maybe strategies, you want them to examine questions. So it's like a research project. What are the questions you want to ask? What do you want to know more about? Who should you talk to? What stakeholders? The assessment phase is when you go in and you determine, uh, you determine the business and performance that should, is, and cause. So you want to identify Uh, kind of the strategies and the tactical things you want to change and you want to report these results to the client. So it's like going in to do a program review or an assessment on a a course or things with a design, uh, maybe a design that you've put online altogether for quality matters. And you want to go through and say, these are the things we've identified. Uh, There might be these issues or these gaps. And here's a suggested plan. So you give them this uh, assessment phase is over, you give them the strategy and the plan, design and set solutions. So you're going to implement those solutions in the implementation phase. And that's when you test out and you deploy whatever it is, a training, uh, maybe it's an on-demand learning, maybe it's a job aid, you figure out whatever that need is of performance, and you're going to launch that training or learning solution. And the final phase is measurement. So you want to know and identify evidence that it's made a change, and you can report to the clients what that means. So essentially, it's like the regular cycle of um, figuring out what the goals are, what the needs are, making assessments based on people in the field and what they're doing, launching and deploying a learning solution, and then say, did that work? So what were the results and behaviors that were changed? I think it's really interesting because um, those are some things we typically do in most design cycles, and you might have a reiterate or an ideate phase in there if you're thinking of design thinking. But this often goes along with focusing towards um, finding that solution. Um, the third phase they talk about is align structure with performance mission. So structure should follow the process. So once you've determined the workflow and that process, It's kind of looking at, in the organization, how is the work done? Do folks do it alone? Do they function as teams? Are there ways and systems and uh, the ways they work that are blocking them from being more successful? In this phase, you're gonna look at maybe the organizational structure. So I think about looking at the leadership. Is there um, middle management? Who supports who? Who reports to who? And you're gonna have that org chart that I'm thinking about. In that, you want to identify if they have a mission, maybe they've got value statements, goals. You want to get to know essentially uh, how is this team or organization set up and how are they expected to function? What are the standards they've set? The fourth phase in HPT, that human performance technology, is aligning people with the performance mission. So once you've structured or looked at the organization setup. you thought about a learning solution you're going to deploy, you have to identify who's going to be responsible for what in the department. This might be with their roles or functions. Does anything change in that? Um, is there anything that was needed in training as they're launching the learning? Does it need to adjust? And who needs to monitor that there's results and outcomes? Because that's going to be someone that's working in the workplace and reporting back. So we think of this now as competency-based, and we use that competency-based education in higher ed, CBE. But you do want to say, like, what are the competencies you want your folks to end up with, and what do you want them to learn? So a competency could be like an analytical skill, reporting data in a certain way, or maybe there's like a business knowledge, so they have to know a certain function or a factor or a task um, within the organization, there's other things that folks might need to learn, whether it's a, a system, a technical system, learning system, or maybe it's even building relationships as a competency. The attributes, so there might be other things you might test on there. So in this handbook of human performance technology, they talk about behavioral, like flexibility, um, self-confidence. Uh, maybe there is toleration for ambiguity, and that's common, as we see in some new companies or startups. And objectivity, so maintaining a bias-free. Those might be things that you're also looking to identify from the end results and behavior change from deploying that learning solution. And uh, another step they mentioned here is starting small and gain some early wins. So if there's a clear cut business need, um, you're identifying it. Maybe you're giving them access. This is the low hanging fruit that they maybe just have to adjust one system or how they report in time or how they do X on the job. Then those are some things you want to offer um, right away to improve, improve the performance, improve the outcomes. So... Comparing performance improvement to training, there are aims for the outcomes to essentially go beyond a training that it changes what they do and how they work. So this might be forming a new habit, uh, improving on a current skill, and then continue to build on knowledge. Performance improvement has a wider focus than training, so this is beyond just what this section of the study book actually suggests for the CPLP. So you may need to know other things to be successful, or it might be the propensity to learn more and be self-directed in learning, or there might be some other tools are missing or technologies that might support a solution or need for performance. I do think that it's really important to think about this not in its own like single thing, like a learning solution is or training idea is not going to improve performance totally because it does impact um, how it fits with the culture and how their role is and the function and what's expected. The factors that affect human performance I, I think is really interesting. Um, they, they identify that most models identify these following things um, around sc- skills, knowledge, and environment and opportunity. So with some variation here and there. So f- essentially these are what everyone's intrinsic factors while in environments are very important. And there's um, environment opportunity or extrinsic. So they think about your knowledge skill intrinsically and your environment and opportunity extrinsically. So they really think that human performance is a, impacted by knowledge. So this is maybe the understanding or the knowing of what they're supposed to be doing on the job. This is a skill. So whether it's a skill they've learned um, from training of some sort or education or needing to skill up. So we know right now data analytics in a lot of industries is a growing need or cybersecurity is also another gap that we see required within some of our working roles. the other thing is the desire is a factor in training that cannot help. So desire needs to be, want, they want to, they feel motivated to, and that might be giving them the feedback or be making timely comments, suggestions, criticisms, feedback. Um, it may also be just personal values conflict with others that decreases that desire or that motivation. So the lack of motivation can be at the individual level with their company organization overall, or just the process or the way that their job expectations are might be demotivating for an individual. When we look at environment, it's really around those resources, like the tools, the equipment, maybe their office, the furniture, how things are set up. Maybe it's things that they physically work with, like their laptop or any software or systems. Um, So that's when we think about environment. It's the physical conditions. It could be the light. It could be heat, ventilation or the requirements to either sit or be at a desk for X hours a day, or the tasks they have to do um, on the job. So we think about environmental as the places they work physically and the tools and things they use. So whether it's computers or mobile devices um, and where they have to do the work. And the last one is, Uh, opportunities. So essentially, whether it's the performer to be allowed to do the job or to take risks or take initiative or contribute to their own ideas. Um, Sometimes employees like to feel empowered and engaged, and they want to know that they're part of that. And so each organization can have goals and missions and focus, but if employees don't have input to their own growth and development, or feel like they don't have anywhere opportunity for advancement in their career, or just to challenge themselves in a new way, this might actually increase the lack of fit that someone has, an employee has within that org, feeling that there's lack of opportunity. There are a number of human performance models, and one of them um, I touched on around the HPI model talks around change management. They look at the business analysis, performance analysis, and evaluation of results to identify causes and maybe interventions and selections of what they'll do to improve. Um, it's a bit complicated for me to draw. So I will put a link to uh, the ATD HPI model in the show notes so you can get an idea. But essentially they want to think about it being analyzed at the business level. And so that business analysis is the process of identifying and cl- clarifying you know those goals, the targets or needs. And they also want to think about uh, improving, not just the business side of things, but thinking about the performance cause which is they call the root cause analysis. So the factors or the reasons why um, we need to change something at the management level or improve something at the individual performance level or another solution from this problem we're seeing within the organization, uh, the process, the experience, or that physical environment. So performance improvement is not necessarily an intervention, but it gives a um, anyone thinking about ways to start analyzing and reviewing what might be a better outcome or how can we intervene with a training solution to go through. Um, so the business analysis itself will kind of break down what the practitioners is doing and valuing the results. Typically, it's time-bound. You want to see and measure that within a specific time and look for outcomes. So whether you're looking to decrease um, employee turnover or you want to improve a sales or shorten a cycle for a product to be developed. Um, It's going to be specific to that, like this is the one thing we want to look at with a specific outcome for the organization to improve. Other things to consider is the clients um, and the organization that you're working with, they want to see success as that outcome, so it will be targeted. Uh, The other area of business analysis that they often look at are Uh, why it's a priority, why is this a goal, and is this goal different or does it differ within the organization? The strategies that have maybe been tried before and why they haven't worked or what they haven't looked at previously. So when you go through the performance analysis, you go and look at the gap analysis primarily. You're going to define the context of What the performance is, what happens, how it's measured, um, whether it's looked at an individual, a team level, um, a unit level. Um, The gap analysis is critical in performance improvement to carry out essentially uh, three things. So driving and restraining forces. So what's going on to cause things to move forward or hold it back? the current state versus the desired state. So what's going on now? And where does that organization, that team, that unit want to be? And the methods for change. So what's going to help uh, close this gap? So the, perf- the gap of performance and that idea of uh, managing talent this way and looking at like maybe even human resource needs. So if you need a staff um, or change a role or create a role, maybe it's even workforce planning. So it'd be, it might be acquiring new talent or changing a job description to make it what's relevant for uh, current and future needs within that organization. Step three is a cause analysis. And this might be, um, this is a good one to bring in both why there's a gap and what are some answers. So in this, why does that performance gap exist? Typically, um, some methods for finding out the why um, might be brainstorming, so you might go through uh, spontaneous discussion and conversation to toss out ideas of why this might be the issue. Uh, what are some reasons why this gap exists, and are there ways that we could measure it, document it, or see it if it if we can note any change? Um, so this might be the process of looking for new procedures, maybe new systems, equipment, technologies, or identifying workflow processes that might optimize what people do in the end performance. And maybe another suggestion could be around physical environment. So if you want your performers to be high performers, maybe there needs to be something changed about that physical space or the resources they're using. The step four is the intervention selection. So this might be aligned with your root causes. This might be aligned with some of that brainstorming that went through um, after the gap in performance was identified. Uh, The role of this, uh, the performance consultant is often looked to to give suggestions and solutions that their organizations might want to try out. Um, This would be listing why they are probably a good solution, and they'll give the benefits, uh, they'll identify maybe the disadvantages as well, and the considerations before taking that solution. So a lot of human resource development uh, folks in the field use the term intervention when they describe a performance improvement. This does not differ very much for what we talked about in education. There's always what's something that's gonna improve it for causal studies is something that we look at. Um, So this intervention is not gonna be sitting down in a room and having like the show intervention, but they're gonna talk about um, thinking about the solutions or the actions or recommendations that they can say this is what you would want your individual employees to do or maybe your managers to try out or um, perhaps processes in general that organization takes on. So thinking about root cause categories, um, a couple of them they focus on are like those knowledge or skills. So they don't know the skill, they don't know the sequence. Some solutions might be like on the job training, job aids, coaching, uh, could be an online learning system, right? So maybe they just need something to help them go through their role. Um, the motives for root cause category, it might be they don't feel that they're getting rewarded or compensated. They have a heavy task load or they've got too much in their job portfolio that they just don't feel like they can ever catch up. So this motive root cause might be solved. The possible solutions could be change the rewards. Um, maybe it's not an increase in salary, but flexible work, time off, uh, changing the workload. So shifting responsibilities to certain roles or identifying that another role needs to be gone through. Um, this also can be done through coaching. So one-to-one work with individuals and in their job. And the last root cause category they talk about is the structure or process. So failing to adapt work process to a unique solution. So this really involves... Um, doing more thorough things like uh, suggestions for these solutions might be a workflow analysis. So watching how people work physically, digitally, understanding like the policies and processes within an office, um, how they take in clients to also how they deal with production and products or services. So this could be watching, observing, it could be um, asking questions, interviewing folks to get to know, um, and it might, identify some solutions through coaching one-to-one might be having more defined policies or expectations and practices. So those are just some examples essentially of the root causes uh, and opportunities that performance improvements along with coaching and solutions could provide. When you have this step five, the intervention, that solution implementation, it's either or, let's say, let's call it intervention. Um, That's when you'll go and try this solution out and see if this works to come to help your performers. Uh, step 6 we'll evaluate the results. Uh, did this work? What happened? Uh, talking with some subject matter experts, those call them SMEs or SMEs, they'll often give you some standards for, um, some examples for designing uh, knowledge or skills or help you understand how this goal could be met. So you wanna get some input for people that know that's, Uh, function, that skill, that role really well, and how can you best deliver that solution? Step seven is change management and change management's, uh, the whole process of that human performance improvement model that ATD has. This is because with every step of identifying business goals, training professionals and talent development professionals think about this within the organization. So they want to be successful that that training is managed. The last section in this first area, sub-area of performance improvement, is around some of the models. So the first one that it mentions is Gilbert's Behavior Engineering Model, BEM. This model is Thomas F. Gilbert's Studies of Workplace Performance, which identifies six major sets of factors that can either help or hinder the workplace performance. These three factors are Environmental and very much outside any individual performance and the employee's control. These factors are information, resources, and incentives or consequences. So, the example I could see online of this model it talks about is this behavior worthy, uh, desired behavior worthy of performance. So, if the level of performance is B behavior, what does a person need to accomplish? A. So the outcomes of the behavior is the relationship between these factors can be expressed as workplaces, A over B, if you're mathematical as an example. So if the behavior is to learn to use a new email system, then they might accomplish or not accomplish the outcome. If they don't want to respond to emails, if they don't respond appropriately to emails. So is it worthy of a performance? And that's how it's rated. So to determine the potential for improving the performance, uh, they're going to look at um, exemplary performance. So what was this demonstrated when it was the best outcome? And then typical performance, what's the level of performance they normally have? So that's the potential for improving performance. So I've given some examples and you'll see the two that they look at, both the environment and the ability of the individual. You can look at data, instruments, incentives, knowledge, capacity, and motives. I'll put a link into the notes that you can look at this one further. The Rumler brack 9 box model. uh, There's a few examples of this. Uh, Rumbler seems to have um, looking at how to manage uh, the organization and proven performance, they describe this as a systems thinking into the organization. So if you like bigger picture systems looking at the organization as a system or an institution as a system, it creates kind of like this grid, this three dimensional approach by labeling and describing the three distinct parts of the organization's performance at the organizational level, the process level, and the job or performer level is what they call it. So you're gonna look at the performance needs based on goals, designs, and management. And uh, if depending on the level and the optimal performance, you'll get some sort of plan of action to improve. So the three performance needs, goals, design, management are kind of along the top of these boxes. So think of it as a matrix or grid. Uh, You're playing Hollywood Squares here. So goals, design, management at the top, and then along the side, the levels of performance, organization, process, and job or performer. So you can get an idea um, where and how these fit in. So the idea is optimizing um, workflow across the department, having relationships between um, members of the organization, how they report in the organizational chart and their functions. And then often looking at performance as the process, as on-the-job performance or the level of performance actually it's understood in contrast to this system i have a couple of examples i'll link to Uh, Rumler and Brash have a website that they've actually described it. But there's also this why is the nine box grid uh, definition of the nine box grid um, blog post. I thought was pretty interesting. It talks about how human resource management and talent management use this as a tool because they want to get an idea for where do performers fit both low, low potential, average, high. And then they also want to know how can we optimize by using a grid So I'll put a link to an example that I've seen. So there's two of those I'll offer. The next model is the Harless's front-end analysis model. So this model of performance improvement is kind of a diagnostic tool. You want to find the uh, solution to the problem, so they use front-end analysis is what it's called. It's a good link to um, describing what this is on this human performance technology manual someone's created on a Weebly site. So the Harless model essentially is the performance gap uh, is the difference between where the organization organization is and where they should be or want to be. Front analysis determines what influences that gap. And they do this through performance analysis and cause analysis. And they, Harlis believes, to identify the cause performance problem, the model is based on the belief that cause should drive the solution. So why use it? Uh, I guess this is often used in organizations uh, to identify the performance gap, closing the gap or identifying what that intervention or solution might be. So usually they ask questions like the first five questions are, do we have a problem based on what evidence can you say that? The second question, do we have a performance problem? And then going into how do we know when the problem is solved? Like what will be the indicators of success or those desired results like we talked about earlier? And then what is the performance problem and should we allocate resources to solve it? So what are the benefits of solving it? The remaining questions often in this get answered as the cause analysis. So what are the possibilities? How can we determine the solutions? And this is from after gathering data, analyzing information, and then suggesting potential implementation. So I'll put a link to this uh, interesting little website here from Weebly, because it seems like they've got some other things that you can kind of review concepts um, and models around human performance technology on this, this page. The International Society of Performance Improvement is the has the HPT model, which I've already mentioned, and we talked about earlier. So this is the human performance technology model. And that's a sequence of examples and solutions. Um, it's interesting, ISPI is the other kind of performance measuring solutions um, organization. Um, ISPI and ATD were the two kind of Major associations that looked at both talent development, performance improvement, that were part of my degree program, so I've been quite familiar with them. You might see some literature because ATD had a rebrand, and name change. It was formerly called ASTD, so sa- same association. Just that's uh, FYI If you're if you're new to this area and you're just trying to get through this alphabet soup out of all the acronyms, uh, so we've already talked around the HPT model includes the solution implementation phase. Unlike the HPI model, includes a change. In management in all phases of the process. So change management is throughout the ATD HPI model, whereas change management is only part of the solution implementation phase of the HPT model. So that's the major differences. They look very similar. I've got a link to an article. It's a PDF that you can look at the HPT model a little bit more. The next model is Megger and Pipes' model for analyzing performance problems. Megger is one of the big heavy hitters in a lot of the human resource development, ATD, ISPI, and other training areas. So it's been pu- well published and an interesting fact, he's like self-taught him. And- on the unicycle banjo. I think he took a PI course. I was watching one of an old video that was played at the, an ISPI event on YouTube. And uh, like him, I am also into that self-directed learning and always wanting to learn. So I can appreciate that. Just a fun fact there. Uh, Maker and Pipe's uh, situation specific model begins with identifying a specific problem and then follows a structured flow chart. So it's kind of like uh, going to a tree of decisions and going through yes, no. So Megran and Pipe's model for analyzing performance uh, goes through identifying the causes, finding realistic and economic economical solutions. An important step in the process is determining whether a skill deficiency is involved. I was looking online to give you some examples and it's kind of like a step-by-step solution um, essentially the advantage of guiding a systematic analysis to determine the solutions and the performance problems. It goes through kind of emphasizing cost-effectiveness, looking at every step in every way, whether or not this performance problem is worth fixing, and then choosing options that might be economical and identify solutions that might help a simpler way. Unlike needs assessment, which will be talked about in Area of Expertise, section two, uh, which is foreshadowed in this area of the CPLP guide. um, This is steps for analyzing the performance. So there's a bit of a flow chart that you can see um, that talks about looking at what's a performance problem. Is it worth fixing? Can we apply it a fast fix? Are the consequences appropriate? Is there skill deficiency? Are there other causes and which solutions are the best? Uh, There's a good picture of this kind of tree and yes, no options that we've seen for other examples. And this one's an early uh, yes, no decision tree uh, from 1997 for the center of effective performance. So I'll put a link to that and for you to read in the show notes. I think it's uh, interesting. This is one that's often referred to if you're applying for jobs in the training industry, knowing this as one of the principles, um, along with Addy and a couple others around training and development. So... The next area that's important and a model that we should look at is the Holloway-Mankins performance DNA model. I was looking at this and there's a couple of good um, resources out there. One's like a slide share one that talks about the performance DNA leadership model. And essentially, this is the one where we're thinking we're thinking about more in recent years, focused exclusively on finding and correcting performance deficiencies. So what is wrong? And how can this model identify exceptional or key performance along the way to prevent barriers for attaining the skills, the knowledge needed. So this approach allows uh, performers to seek and replicate models of success. So if there's like a way that it should be our framework, then why not follow it? Uh, example of looking at uh, key work processes, KWPs, was the relationship, the weighting, the ranking, and primary sources of difficulty complexity. Uh, identifying the best approaches for a role like these might be the specific uh, tasks, skills and abilities that need to be tooled up or s- trained up. And where, do, what do high performance do in this, this similar role? So you want to find like what the outcomes are and how they're impacting and influencing performance. So a lot of this will be looked at in terms of the HPI model. So the ATD's um, HPI program, and they want to kind of map out like how to replicate success by getting rid of some of the barriers that prevent you to actually be successful in this way. I'll put a link to um, using performance DNA to guide HPI project success. That's right from ATD. There was just an article on that. So study of projects and performers and the right information for success. And also that slide share one that gives you some ideas of how it's used in leadership or management is what it looks like. The shared principles of performance improvements are common. So regardless of what model or what method or how you're gonna assess or take an approach, um, these seem to be fundamental. um, These three principles are fundamental to the practice and getting results and identifying a systematic way to examine performance. So the focus on outcomes rather than behavior is the idea of looking at the organization or systematic approach. So principle one is use a results-based systematic approach. So this is where professionals are going in to assess, look at the wants-based, needs-based, and results-based approach. That is, what do the clients want and what do they want to get out to clarify some of that um, to get to the resolution? What are the needs? So these are the activities that are implemented to respond to a specific gap in ability or performance on the job. And then what are the results? So to improve performance, you'll have to understand and distinguish it from um, the other activities that are involved in human resource development or training. So this might be a need or uh, might be as a result of a changing economy, a changing role or new expectations for that actual position. So it's filling in that gap. So the results-based approach often looks at like the business analysis, performance analysis, those root cause we touched on earlier, and how you'd intervene and implement something to support that that gap. The second principle is focus on the outcomes rather than the behavior. So you really want to know what are the outcomes you want to achieve. Um, It's not going to be the individual behavior, but what is that service or that product or the way you want your whole systematically employees to function in that role and as in their teams. So looking at outcomes uh, refers to kind of specific outputs that you're asking individuals to work on. So behaviors, the way they're going to do it versus the results are, what what are they going to accomplish and those desired goals? Outcomes are easier to detect and measure than behaviors because we may not see like every on-the-job kind of interaction, task, or engagement in a behavior. So you're not able to always see someone thinking or planning or strategizing. Accomplishing something gives you the results. And so this is essentially what you want to look at is looking at those outcomes and not focusing on the behavior. The third principle and last one is the organizations are systems and based on the performance improvement, thinking about holistically and strategically, how can an organization overcome problems? So um, Rumler, Argris and Senj Talk about the harder you push on the system, the harder that it pushes back. A name for a phenomenon like this is compensating feedback. Well-intentioned interventions call forth responses from the system that offset this, offset this benefit of the intervention. So overall, this means how can we go ahead and predict change and make it easier or challenging for performance to happen at the organization as a whole. So looking at everything holistically will be really important. Organizational goals and initiatives are something that you can't avoid for performance improvement. And this is something that are often the big drivers. So they're the business goals or what's the focus mission and what's driving that organization towards those goals. So that will be some of the focus of why a performance improvement uh, solution is asked for and wanted. And the change management skills is something that anyone who's thinking about a performance improvement project is how will this be managed when a solution and intervention comes about to help your performers improve their work? So this might be skills related to change management in a few ways. Uh, It might be impetus to change. So how will the organization do or what will they do to address the causes of that gap of performance now and in the future? It might be communication is often what I see. Communication is like those informal and formal ways that they understand, they know, they they understand how information flows through the channels, the networks, and their whole organization to improve productivity and performance. Group dynamics is another kind of one that's often looked at for how do we influence groups, teams, and others who work together. And process of consultation skills. So how do people interact and interact with others. So this is kind of their interpersonal workings with one another. And finally, another one of change is facilitation skills. So helping performers, managers, and everyone else that is a stakeholder in your organization, take accountability for their how they uh, bring about that change initiative and discover new insights on how they can deliver and encourage others to be part of that process. So performance improvement, is no small feat. There's no one way to go about it, but there's a few different frameworks, models, and strategies to go about planning, assessing, uh, collecting data, and moving towards a solution if there needs to be one. Uh, the organization culture can be part of it. Um, it could be part of a new growing need, an um, in industry development, or changing technologies that influence work. So performance improvement is gonna be continually one that's gonna look at. Any organization or institution that you're working for is gonna to want to assess how can we do better. And with that strong focus on change management, how can we get to that end goal and desired re- results? I like those three principles. So wrapping them up again, the shared principles of performance. So one, using a results-based systematic approach. Two, focusing on the outcomes rather than the behavior and three, organizations are systems. So I'm gonna think about that as I do my own quiz and test on how do you recall. Um, I'll be back to share another segment of the many, this is one of like 74, that we're gonna talk about on the mixtape. So I hope you enjoy this track. If you have suggestions and things I should look at and study and performance improvement, please send them my way. Thanks for listening to the Learn Perform Mixtape. If you're liking this podcast, subscribe, tell a friend, give me a like and give me a review. If you're studying for the CPLP or you have already, let me know. I'd love to chat and I'd love to get your advice. Comments, questions, thoughts, and love are always welcome. And I have my details in every episode notes. So please reach out. Let's connect.